Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. I'm believing the Holy Spirit wants to cause a a revolution. We saw um, in in Zimbabwe this last... um, saw in Zimbabwe this last um, couple of weeks, we saw a revolution take place. And it was an unusual scenario that here you have a a man who's been in power for 38 years. Um, A democracy turned into a dictatorship uh, and and all the sort of levels of corruption and and that that goes along with it. And then then you've got some people who, who were part of that kind of, they were part of the established power but eventually kind of got fed up with the way things are working. And so they made a move to return the country to its original purpose, we pray. And uh, so they, they, they created a democracy which they turned and they, they some, just one or two people, it was just, it was just one or two that, that made a decision. And, uh, um, and the whole nation turned on the decision of those one or two. Uh, and I, I want us to understand that that when the church rises up and makes a decision for a revolution of the things of God, yeah. a nation turns yeah. on, on, on the decisions of one and two. Yeah. And I really want us to understand that there's a revolution that God wants to do in the hearts of men and women as they pursue the things of God and they, as they, they rise up in the great call and the high commission that we are called to be ministers of such life and such power, such Faithfulness, such fruitfulness, the life and the love of the Holy Spirit, the fruitfulness of the Holy Spirit, the, the, the passion and the love of God to see people's hearts um, saved, to, to see people's lives restored, to see communities rebuilt, to see injustice uh, met with the power of God, that, that the hand of justice will sweep again across this nation. And, and uh, we heard this morning with, with Neil and the work in, in Bangladesh, um, I, uh, we were speaking about our desire to, we, we're just beginning to get the legal framework for City Hearts Aberdeen uh, to get that established. And there's all this sort of things kicking in place where we want to see justice being, being brought into people's lives, that people's lives are restored. But on the face of that, we must raise up a generation of people who, who know how to shift it in their heart first, that, that we know we must carry these things in our heart. And, and we must carry a move of God in our heart, not just, not just a, the, the social side which comes from our, our soul. It comes out of the, the, the emotion and the heart and the, the rightness of your soul. It's a good thing, right? But, but your spirit man must be strong in God. Because as I was saying this morning, that the, the, the enemy comes... Um, and he comes against you, and if you're not strong in the spirit, the things that you do in the natural will soon disappear. Yeah. So you have to be strong in the Holy Spirit. You have to be strong in his word and the things that the spirit ministers uh, through his word. And so we have to, have to know our true identity, to know the, the, the true capacity of why we've been saved. In, in Ephesians, it says that the church um, is uh, the, the, the body of Jesus Christ, and and I, you know, I've often spent a lot of time thinking about that. We are His body. Now, 
It's quite an extraordinary thought, but we place no deep consideration as to the, the, the sort of the impact of the body. If you can imagine a, a, a body that is perfect in in strength and capacity, has no limitation to to its ability of what it can achieve, and that's the body of a great warrior. And you can imagine that, and imagine Christ as His body is perfect. Well, we are His body. We are his body, which means that there is no limitation to the things that we are called to do other than what we fully understand our identity is in. It's, it's, it's the, the limitation of, of, our, of our thought life in Christ. That um, as a cabinet maker, um, I, I learned under my father how to make furniture. Well, my father was a highly skilled, old school cabinet maker uh, and his capacity of knowing what could be done was far greater than mine. So because he knew what could be done, he could do more. So we need to raise up a church where people know what can be done. So we can, we can raise up, we can cause a revolution of believers knowing who they fully are in Christ Jesus and, and leading people to a deepening of their personal relationship with God. That there is a, there is a true desire of passion of heart, of believing, of getting on your knees and praying and committing our hearts to Christ once again and, and rising up to the call and purpose of God, knowing His power is within us. Amen? And um, I want to go this evening, I'm going to start with um, one of those scriptures that is, is a beautiful scripture um, and it, it sets forth a, a word that is it's, I don't, controversial is perhaps a little strong, but so there's slight controversy in it. Um, I'll read it to you and, you, and you'll see why. It says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16, it says this, Rejoice always. Well, that's controversial for a start, right, isn't it? I mean, it's like rejoice always, right? Who, who immediately feels like they failed? <laughs> Pray without ceasing. It's getting worse, isn't it? <laughs> Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. And, but at this point we're just like resigned. And we're just walking out the door. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now this morning I spoke about the, the destination that God has for us. That we are to be trees of righteousness. That, that everything that Christ did are coming on the cross, dying on the cross, by giving his life that the Holy Spirit would be poured upon the earth, that all men would be drawn to Christ, and the Spirit of God would minister life, is so that the church, for, his, for Christ's glory, the church, the believers, would become like trees of righteousness. And we, we heard about how trees, um, and they're not just extraordinarily strong, but they, they also change the atmosphere. They create fresh air in the midst of carbon dioxide and so that which is the carbon dioxide of, of the air is drawn in by the trees and out comes oxygen and so we are, we are here to change the atmosphere uh, of, of, of a city and a nation and, and, um, and so we understand that when Christ has brought us to this, this destination this is the the destination of who we are to be. It says here, for this is the will of God. See, a lot of people come and ask, I want to know what His will is. 
I want to know what's the will of God. I mean, I mean, what I was. I grew up in a traditional church, and and they would have a say, and uh, a prayer meeting will be on Wednesday evening at seven thirty, God willing. Which I always, I always used to make me joke, like, what God's going to change His mind? It's like. But it was always added, God willing. And there was a sort of severity to it. And, uh, and, but I understand the nature. It's like, well, assuming that this is still the will of God, this is what we will do. And, and so people live with this slight confusion. I, I just want to know what his will is. Yes. Now, the problem with wanting to know his will in terms of what colour trousers should I wear? Do I get out of the house, turn left or turn right? What do I do when I get to work? Some people are very detailed in what they want to know the will of God is. I remember hearing a man get up once and said, uh, he said, I, I put on brown trousers, but the Holy Spirit told me off because he wanted me to wear blue ones. And I'm thinking, at that point, I'm thinking, woo, woo. And uh, <laughs> I'm thinking, at that point, I'm sure. I mean, there may have been a purpose that God wanted him to wear blue trousers, and I, I repent right now for my cynicism of that, <laughs> of that comment. But, you know, I've never found a reason why blue should be worn instead of brown, etc. Anyway, so... Maybe he just didn't go with his eyes. I don't know. So, so some people want to know what the, the will of God is in, the, in their daily lives. But, but to be fully empowered by the nature of God, we have to understand that there's this incredible saying. It says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. And, and this, in everything give thanks, causes his own line of confusion. Because I've heard many Christians say, I just, I, you know, go through a terrible time. The Bible tells me to thank God for the terrible time. No, it doesn't. <laughs> we, we never thank God for the bad things that happen to us. We thank God in the bad times and the bad things that happen to us. So we are thankful for God in the midst of our trials, not for our trials. We're not, I'm not thankful that terrible things happen. I'm not thankful uh, for accidents, for, for horrors, for traumas. I'm not thankful for those, for the work of the enemy. I am not thankful. I'm, I want you to know, I want to speak in the realm of spirit. I resist all of those things. But I am thankful for a God who's far greater than any event that happened to my life or happened in the life of the church or happened in the life of anyone around us. So it means that in everything I can give thanks. And that's the greatest challenge. Pray, um, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for your life. So what this means is that if I am going to, if I'm going to understand His will, then these mechanisms are going to unleash the plans and purposes for my life. These things reveal that this is the will. Well, is that it? Well, clearly, these are the things which unlock something. You see, to give thanks in everything, to rejoice in everything, is a process in what we're doing, is we're literally clothing ourselves with the very garments of praise. We are placing upon ourselves... A, a cloak of the things of God and worshipping Him. We're preparing our heart and preparing our life. It's like, see, when, when you go to church, I mean, I was brought up traditional church. We would, have, we would have to wear shirt and tie 
jacket. I remember being 11 years old, my parents going out and, and just like investing ridiculously large amounts of money on, a, on, a, on some smart clothes. It, it was for my brother's wedding, but um, it then had to do from there on in my Sunday clothes for church and it would be it was a sort of a, a jacket tweedy type style jacket and check trousers maybe look like Rupert Bear and uh, and uh, sometimes I had to wear them to school and I got the nickname Rupert after that it was terrible and uh, and I had to wear a, a shirt and tie and so and I had to wear this and I had to wear that jacket until the sleeves came to my elbows and uh, so I, and, and, you know, we had this suit, and so you would wear, but we wore clothes which we considered appropriate to enter into the house of the Lord. Yeah. Now, while we understand today that such clothing, etc., is not necessarily appropriate, we do understand that you clothe yourself in the attitude for which you're going to live your life. It's a clothing of your attitude. The clothings that you wear determine the life you live. I've often spoken this, that you, when I go into the garden, I don't wear these clothes because they just, I'm going to ruin them, so I'll be, if I'm going to pick up anything in these clothes, it's going to be like this, isn't it? You're keeping everything as far away as you can from you, and then you're straight off to the sink, and it's like, can we do the tap on because I've got to wash my hands before it all gets on me. But when I've got my working clothes, I clothe myself in my working clothes, I can work. So the Bible's here saying, listen, if you clothe yourself in the atmosphere of praise, you shift your heart into the dimension of what praise releases. Now, in Genesis chapter 3, I want you to see this because this is something that you may not have noticed. It's the story of Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve have eaten the fruit. And God is looking. He's going to the garden to have his normal evening stroll. It's sunset. And uh, it's a pleasant time in the evening. So they're going to have... God comes into the garden to just have that evening time. That special time with Adam. He comes in, can't find him. Adam, where are you? And eventually Adam, having been found... He says this, so he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Now, this is extraordinary. I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. Now, the voice of God is a voice. See, Adam has only ever heard a voice of love. He's never been punished, rejected, isolated. He's never been humiliated. He's never experienced any rejection. The voice of God has only ever been the voice of a loving father that's speaking life into him. It's the voice of love. And here in this voice, if you listen, if you read through Genesis, it always is the voice of love. The only, the only curse that is spoken isn't against Adam and Eve actually. It's against the serpent. I'll get onto that another time. But the the ground is cursed because of that. Anyway, so Adam and Eve are not cursed, right? They're covered. Now, Adam, in his rebellion, has uncovered himself 
from the covering of God and now sees himself as naked, is now no longer able to hear the voice of God as a voice of love and compassion for his life. See, what happens to our lives is we hear the voice of God and when we don't hear it with a voice of thankfulness, we hear it with a voice of fear. And we hear fear comes into our life and we're unable to carry what God is saying and calling us because we have exposed ourselves to the work of the enemy no longer covered by the calling of God, no longer covered with the garments of praise. It says, let me, let me go on to this last scripture. Isaiah 61.3, this is where we started this morning. It said that God has... Is, this is Jesus, um, this is a prophecy that Jesus brought in, in, um, in the temple at the start of his ministry. To console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. So the Bible says that that God has appointed, the Holy Word console there is a point. So God has appointed to those who mourn in Zion to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy, who is the Holy Spirit for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. You see, Adam was naked and in his nakedness, the moment he heard his voice, the voice, he felt failure. The moment he heard the voice of God, he felt condemnation. The moment he heard it, he felt rejection. And so here we have, we understand the moment you feel the heaviness and the burden of your failures and your circumstances in your life, the counteraction of that is to put on a garment of praise and to start thanking God for everything that you're going through. Suddenly, the moment you worship God, you're no longer naked, exposed to your own negativity, the negativity of those things around you. It lifts up your spirit and suddenly you're standing in a different place. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So for the will of God to be manifest and made true upon our lives is to reveal to us the very life, the very, to reveal to us the very power of God through our confession and through our worship. See, the will of God is to empower us with such life because we have worshipped Him. We are now able to hear His voice and know our true identity. See, thankfulness changes what you hear. It changes how you hear. I thank you, Father, for your goodness upon my life. The moment you echo, see... See, God, I said this a few weeks ago, God had to silence the children of Israel going around Jericho because they were prone to murmuring, complaining, and misery. God, flipping it, you know. So they had to do it in silence. You can imagine if they didn't do it in silence. Look, we've got to march around. This is day six. We're still flipping marching. Here we go, walking around. Why can't we just, why can't we just take the place? Why can't God make the walls fall down? Why can't, why can't he just blow the thing up? Why can't? It's like, it's, why, it's like because they didn't, if they had spoken, 
their mouth would have brought forth the attitude of the heart, exposing their true state. And so God kept their mouth shut. And then on the seventh day, he said, let out a shout of praise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And everything changed. It mm-hmm. changed. The garment of praise. Oh, Cheryl's laughing at me with my... <laughs> change it. <laughs> with the garment of praise. With the garment of praise. The walls of opposition fall down around our lives. The garment of praise. And we've got to... We're going to rise up, cause a revolution. We've got to, we're going to rise up a generation of people who know how to live differently. But we are going to be thankful in every circumstance. We're going to challenge each other. Is this, is this praise and thankfulness coming out? Or is this the negativity of your own rejection? Is this the heaviness of your own failure? Is this the voice? See, see Adam's expectation of God was entirely false based on his own exposure. His, his expectation of God was, it was entirely false based on the fact that he was now no longer in a covenant relationship with God. Thankfulness restores you to covenant relationship. Thankfulness restores you to covenant relationship. And it brings you back into a place of confidence in the presence of God. When I was a child, my mum would pick herbs. And we had all sorts of them. We would have uh, rosemary, borage. Have you seen, do you know what borage is? It's a terrible plant. A little sort of, the most terrible spiky little things that would stick into you. And uh, uh, borage, we would have uh, thyme, uh, and we would have a rose hip. Do you know, your rose hip is itching powder for any child who wants to cause your friends to be itching scratchy. You would pick the buds and then crumble them in the, the, your friend's shirt. Itching powder, but it's also a herb. So uh, rose hip and honey is a really lovely tea. Uh, we would have obviously mint uh, and sage. Uh, sage we, we would have for uh, all these. Um, so we'd have all these and nettles, stinging nettles, and they would be drying above the agar. And they would all be drying because my mum used herbs as medicine. And if we were ever ill, dread the day, right? If you were ever ill, herbs would be boiled up on the agar. They would be boiled up in a metal cup, one of those little camping cups. And she would put the herbs in and get some water. And every half hour, she'd be feeding you this stuff until you willed yourself back to health. Just like determined, you were never going to have anything. It was absolutely bitter. No sugary effects were ever added, apart from apart from honey on the good days. Oh, we got rosehip and honey, and uh, and so whatever, regardless of whatever it was, if she looked at you and thought you looked a bit green round the gills, she would look at you and go stinging nettles, and uh, you'd be drinking these bitter nettles and and uh, and sage and caraway and caraway seeds. Oh my word, you get these caraway seeds, we'd have to eat them if we were travel sick, you'd be given caraway seeds, and they're just the most bitter things, and you put them feel like vomiting, just having them and and so my understanding of all of these things were just bitter right, at about age 16, 17, I managed to sort of get old enough to sort of eat meals outside of my parents' And I discovered that they were putting herbs 
in food. I was horrified. <laughs> what, a, what a terrible thing to do. You've got all these, these herbs. They've, these herbs are vile. Why would you put herbs in food? My parents never put herbs in food. They just used them to make you get better. No one, ever, no, no one told me you could use them, that they enhance the flavor. I wouldn't believe them. What do you mean they enhance the flavor? They're disgusting. Get those things away from me. And it took me an age to realize that herbs, once placed in dinner, enhance the flavor and make things better. See, here's the problem with our life, is that we tend to treat the things of God as something as medicine for our soul when we're not feeling very well. And with, those, with that medicine comes the bitterness of our own complaint and condition. So we never fully appreciate the goodness of it. But if we apply the Word of God into our everyday circumstance, so our life is enhanced with the flavor of His blessing, and suddenly those things which were could become bitter are now no longer bitter, but they're an enhancement of our life, and they bring us into a place of such life and revelation. And, you know, I I want us to be ones who know what it is to apply the blessing of God's Word and the fullness of the health that it brings into everything that we do. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.thejunctionchurch.com. God bless.